Hello, everybody. My name is Wesley Faulkner. I'm the co-host of this new podcast. Happy 2024. And this is season three of the Radical Respect podcast. And with Wesley is me, Kim Scott. And some of you may be here for the Just Work podcast. Don't worry, you are in the right place. Inspired by Wesley Faulkner and also Ernest Adams, I did a radical rewrite of the book Just Work. And the result is that the paperback, which is going to be called Radical Respect, will come out in May of this year. So from now on, it's Radical Respects all the time. And with us today is Tyler Chow. Tyler has been in Hollywood for many, many years. And right now she is the creator's attorney on YouTube. So tell us a little bit about what that means, the creator's attorney on YouTube. Tyler. Hi, Kim and Wesley. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. So the creator's attorney is uh, someone who protects creators on YouTube. Um, I really focus on YouTube because I really think that's the new Hollywood, basically. If you have a story and you want to put it out, you don't have to wait for a studio ahead to tell you that your story is worthy of being told, right? You can just write the story, turn on your camera and put it up in, you know, two days. And so I saw a need for creators um, not having enough protection. They basically sign anything that's put in front of them. And a lot of these creators with huge channels are young. You know, they're 18, they're 20. They've never, some have not been to college. Some have never had a corporate job. So I saw a huge problem and a need for creators to have an attorney to protect them. That's amazing. And you're also the, the CEO of Tyler Chow Law for Creators. Uh, which is a law firm focused also on protecting them. And you have a new business and podcast that you're launching soon called The Creator Entrepreneur, where you're going to support creators who are making six figures from AdSense, a, a program near and dear to my heart. We can talk yeah. about that later. Uh, and brand deals that take them from seven to nine figure exits. That is very exciting. That's super cool. And before that, you were at a Hollywood attorney at places like Disney. Um, yeah. So you've done a ton of cool things. And you also have a YouTube channel. Can you tell us a little bit about the YouTube channel? So I started my YouTube channel in October of 2022. I kind of had a midlife crisis and I decided I wanted to do something creative. My dream was to be a novelist, you know, but I, as an immigrant, I went to Berkeley as an English major. And but I decided to go to law school to take care of my parents and my younger siblings. And I wanted to be a DA. So I had a midlife crisis, decided I wanted to do something creative and decided to undertake the hardest thing ever, which is starting a YouTube channel, because to grow on YouTube is almost near impossible. Yeah. So I had a friend who told me, you know, you should take these kind of trending news stories. And at the time, there was a story about the Try Guys who were at BuzzFeed, who were at BuzzFeed. And I, I had worked at BuzzFeed. I was head of the creators program there. And they had this huge drama about one of the partners, one of the co-founders, basically having an affair with an employee. And it became a whole thing, right? And people were like, well, what does this mean in terms of Me Too? Is she being a, vic is she a victim? Is she, you know, um, and so I jumped in, I did a video and it got 
like 200,000 views. And I had basically, that was my third video. I had maybe wow. 200, 200 subscribers at that point. So I did two more follow-ups, you know, SNL did a try guys video. It was very tone deaf, you know, basically making fun of them. I, I don't know if you guys remember seeing that, but those three videos took me to 10,000 subs. And so from there on, I made a video every week and um, I am currently at about 30,000 subs um, with the last story of SS Sniper Wolf doxing Jack's films. Um, and, you know, that video has just hit 400,000 views. So it's, it's been wow. such a dream come true for me to be able to tell my story and be a storyteller um, on video on YouTube. So your novelist, your no novelist aspirations are coming true just on in a different medium. Yes, I definitely have that novel within me at some point. I think, I'll, yes. I, you know, it'll probably be called the Hollywood attorneys turned creator's attorney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, so what I thought we would do next is read a brief excerpt from Radical Respect and uh, Tyler, I'd love to get your feedback on it. And Wesley, as always, I'm relying on your candor. And so we'll talk about it for a few minutes. And then, Tyler, I know you have a million great stories. Uh, so we'll choose a couple of them and dig in. How's that sound? Amazing. Yeah, let's do it. Great. All right. Here we go. So, by the way, at the towards the end of episode two, we started talking about bullying and a special form of bullying called bloviating BS. And uh, bl bloviating BS, it, it, for those of you who, who may not remember, is basically when someone kind of charges into a room and takes up all the oxygen and starts making stuff up and somehow they get away with it. So here's the excerpt. People who are from systemically advantaged groups or dominant in some way are much more likely to get away with or even be rewarded for bloviating BS. In a fascinating study, researchers asked men and women whether they were expert in 16 distinct math topics, three of which were made up. Men were much more likely to claim expertise in these made up topics than women, as were the rich over the middle class. What's more, people were more likely to challenge BS from those they perceived as their equals than from people with more power. So if you're a leader, you need to make sure you're creating the conditions for people to call BS on you. Not getting called out on one's BS breeds problematic overconfidence that harms collaboration. This can work in the BSer's favor in situations such as, such as job interviews and grant applications. But that means if you let it influence your decisions as a leader, you're hiring the BSer, not the expert, giving, giving the grant to the BSer, not to the expert. Allowing the BSer to hog airtime in a meeting means your decisions will be unduly influenced by a person who knows less than the others in the room. That's why it's your job as a leader to address it. Not only does allowing bloviating BS to be rewarded harm decision-making, it's also unfair to people beca because people who are sy systemically disadvantaged can rarely get away with bloviating BS and so don't reap its rewards. The answer, though, is not to ensure that everyone gets rewarded for bloviation. The answer is to make sure no one does. There are some privileges that people from systemically advantaged groups 
have that should be extended to everyone and others that should be extended to no one. As a leader, it's your job to make sure that no one person dominates, especially not a BSer, and that everyone feels comfortable participating in meetings online or off, and also in the everyday back and forth of conversations at work. All right, so lay it on, lay it on me, Tyler. What, what does this make you think of? Well, you know, having worked in Hollywood the last 16 years, I have been around a lot of BSers, whether they be my bosses <laughs> or just simply executives on films, right? It, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a broken system because no one will take responsibility, right? When a film fails, it's marketing, right? How many yeah. CMOs get fired in, in Hollywood? All the time, every time a big film fails, right? Um, and so I have been really... Um, surrounded by that. And in, in many ways, gaslit many, many times, and, you know, before it was like a, a term that I understood yeah. it to be today. Um, and constantly asking myself, like, so they're saying this truth or their truth, right? But I don't mm -hmm. think that's true. But because I'm their junior, or having grown up as an Asian woman, you know, like I, I, I have this, there's a stereotype that I shouldn't speak up. Right. And, and so yes. the times I have spoken up, it's has not served me that well, you know? And, yeah. and so I, I've been around a lot of BSers, but, um, you know, like you, Kim, that you mentioned in your book, a lot of women or victims just kind of stay quiet because sometimes we don't know what to say. And your book has been so helpful because now I know what to say, but now, you know, I'm not really in Hollywood anymore. Um, but I, I can teach my clients what to say, you know, when they're, they're victims or when they're in a circumstance where they're surrounded by BSers, because a lot yeah. of YouTubers are also BSers in that sense. Yes, yes, yes. The, in fact, the internet is rather full of it and it's going to get more full with AI, which is the bloviating bullshitter to end all bloviating bullshitters. What about yes. you, Wesley? I was <laughs> funny. Yes. I was thinking about some coworkers and also like even my kids when um, it, it really it depends on the mindset going into a situation that kind of helps with determining how one reacts. Um, when mm -hmm. I'm in an argument with my kids, they'll pick apart every little thing I say because they want to prove me wrong and show that they're right. And same thing with uh, any coworkers who just really, for some reason, find fault in everything I was saying. Um, but if it's also like if you go to a comedy club and someone steps on the stage and says, how's everyone doing? And everyone goes, "Woo!" But yeah. if they said the same thing when you know, like you go to a doctor's waiting room and say, how's everyone doing? I mean, you'll get a different reaction. Yes. So the mood sets the context. And I think what you're uh, a little bit of what you're illuminating, if those who are in, let's say, the majority, um, mm -hmm. I think the crowd wants to find the thing to attach to and to thing to find is valid in what they're saying. But if there's a person from a marginalized background where their resume might be put in question, their history might be put in question, their ability might be put in question, I think it switches. And I think people find the thing to find fault in what they're saying. Yes. Yeah. And so I hear, I hear the bloviating, but it doesn't, but it also does really matter who's the bloviator because yes. what is the default is to find something that is valid in what they're saying. But if you reverse it to someone who is maybe 
from a marginalized community or someone who's not in the majority, that it, it might be the other way around where the bloviator, where people find everything that is not true uh, and be able to, to point it out. For instance, uh, I was in a, a call when someone says, every time I do this, people show up. And, you know, if you say every time or if you use yes. these justifications, it shows is that some confidence. And then I was reading back something that I wrote and I had to like do a control F and find every time I say, I think, I think, because yeah. I, I know enough to know to like, kind of like hedge my bet that I don't know everything and then to leave, but it makes me feel or sound less confident. And so I think in some ways that I just did it there, that people <laughs> um, do really gravitate to, to that um, feeling of bloviating to some yeah. regard and it, yeah, and it pays off. Because, because it, it, it is often rewarded um, mm -hmm. and it's also punished, I think sometimes as well. Uh, if you're if if you're not in in some way shape or form in the dominant role in the yeah. room, um, yeah, and with your kids, with your kids, I'm really interested in what you said because I guess you're the dominant one in that relation, mm -hmm. or could be, but you've somehow found a way to lay your power down so that they feel free to challenge you, uh, which is good. It's good parenting right there. I try. Uh, what do they so, say? So Difficult kids make great adults. <laughs> yes. Well, and they also make great parents, difficult kids, because they're challenging you. And that's a good thing. And nobody's <laughs> watching you closer. <laughs> so true. So Tracy, other thoughts on this excerpt from you? What 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 is, what is this conversation bringing up for you? Um... You know, just as I was preparing, you know, kind of mentally for for our conversation, I kind of took, you know, a, a trip down memory lane of you know, 16 years in Hollywood. And I realized um, that, you know, in the context of reading your book, too, like how bad my bosses were. Like I didn't like I didn't yeah. I, I didn't really think like I haven't sat around crying, you know, thinking, oh, my God, my life's been so bad. But like in the context of, of how you have described, you know, people leaders who, who, who don't kind of step up or bystanders who don't become upstanders, right? I'm realizing like, um, you know, they talk about nepotism in, in Hollywood, right? And that's that's really a thing, right? And, and, and people who are confident, as you guys are talking, you know, being a parent, when you're confident, it's kind of like the Jedi mind trick, right? Like when you're like really confident and you like, you act like you should be there, people yeah. don't question you, right? So I, I had a boss who um, basically had no entertainment experience, but he married, you know, the C, the, the, he married someone who, whose father was like, is the godfather of, of all talent lawyers in Hollywood. And mm -hmm. so the CEO of this company needed a president of his company. And so he turned to his attorney and said, who, who do you have? And he's like, well, how about my son-in-law, you know, who oh is an attorney gosh. that has no entertainment experience. And, and so I was there for three years, basically. Um, in many ways, like kind of teaching him how films are made. I mean, he, he knew like a little bit, but not not a lot. But the problem with that is when when you have a boss who who, who knows less than you, they're always questioning you, right? Because they're like, wait, yeah. but is this right? Are you sure? And 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 I've been, you know, I, I, I had at that point been, you know, had already been at Disney. I, I've done, you know, probably 10 or 12 feature films at that point, you know, big $200 million budget films. And I constantly had to 
um, justify myself, even though I knew I was right, you know, yeah. and, but he was like, but he was the president. And so, and he was my boss. And so he could BS his way through any conversation. And I, I just, I had that sense of being gaslit a lot, right? Like that I yeah. was wrong somehow simply. And, and, you know, I also, every, every job I've had, I think, I can't remember a job where I was not the only Asian or minority. Like every, every, like my last job, private equity, all white men, you know, like at at that job, all white men. So it's just like, you know, it's like, and and the white men are very comfortable. Like you said in your example, right? You make up a math, you know, theory and they're like, oh, we're an expert in it, even though it doesn't exist, right? Like they're they're so comfortable doing that. And I've seen it happen in front of me during my career. And I'm like, but I could never do that. I could never do that, you know, because I am so truthful. (laughs) And that to me, I could like, I guess I, after hearing you read, I'm like, why can't I be a BSer a little more? But, you know, but that's, that's not who I am. You don't want to become a BSer. But but I, 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 I've seen people do it and it doesn't build morale, right? It doesn't build a good culture. People are not, um, they, they just, they're like, what's the point? Like, yeah. why, why am I showing up and, and telling the truth if that's is, is what gets rewarded? I, I've seen that a lot in my career. Yeah. And I guess I probably, of the three of us, I probably am, am guiltiest of bloviating BS because I'm most likely not to get punished for it. I'm guessing, but I don't know uh, what what you all think. Like, I remember the first time... Go ahead, Wesley. I was going to say, hear. I think the consequences, uh, just like people are looking for the good when they find the fault in those that they're looking for, it just doesn't go away. And so the punishment just lingers and says, Oh, you remember that time Wesley made that up though? Can we really be trusted in this third thing five years ago? Uh, you know, from that incident. And, but someone who's caught, they're like, Oh, I was just, you know, going through that. And they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I understand. And there's more, um, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Empathy for for people. It's like, oh yeah, I've been in that situation. It's okay. That's fine. And it yeah. gets blown off and it doesn't really linger and stick to people. I mean, I think we can look at politics today and see a lot of examples. Yes, you of can that. notice or yeah, take a look at who the, yes. Anyway, I'm not going to go down a particular <laughs> path that I was going to go down, but yes. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I want my, my husband is a white man and he can get away with it more than I can, but I can get away with it more than I should. And And, and the thing is, it makes me feel dirty when I do it. And so I, I try hard not to do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pro I mean, it's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's so also much socially easy. awkward to point it out when you do see it. I've been in like on panel discussions. I'm sure you have too, yeah. where you hear someone BSing. You're like, Oh my gosh, this person, you're just making that up. Yeah. And yeah. I can't, it feels awkward to call that person out when yeah. you're on the same panel or if you're in a boardroom or if you're in a meeting, and so my default is like, I want to say something, but I must stay silent in order for I, it for not to be an awkward situation and derailing the whole thing. So yeah. the consequence for someone to call someone out on their BS is really, really high as well. It can't. Yes, it absolutely can be. I mean, I would say I can. I, I also like I remember I was uh, there was one person who I worked with when I was at Google at, who was just like. Uh, every time I say the word bloviating BS, his face springs into my mind. 
And I remember I got back from maternity leave and I I was generally the one who pointed out when what he was saying. Just like it just made no sense. And so I had been gone and I had a seven month, I was on bed rest and then on maternity leave. So I'd been out for quite some time and I got back and I was in a meeting with him and I was like, oh my gosh, like what? And I finally said, but this makes no sense. What you're saying makes no sense because this, this, and this, and, and, and it like, and then he backed down and everybody's like, oh, thank God she's back. I'm like, why do I have to, but maybe that's the job of the white woman. Maybe. (laughs) It's, it was easier for me than anyone else to point it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. You have to be really, really like anchored in your ability to keep your job in order to say that. And yeah. I don't know if that's psychological yeah. safety or or if it's just uh, tenure Pri- or privilege. Privilege. <laughs> privilege. I, yeah. 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 Um, but I, I just came from meeting today where there was a question saying, how is management doing? vote yes or no i'm like uh, how am i there's only one right answer right yeah, yeah it's so good <laughs> all right i do, so I do Ty- agree with you Leslie. um just about i think most people are afraid to speak up and, and because they're like well will this jeopardize my job you know what what will i seem you know and as a woman right it, it, it's it's always like oh well women who who speak up are are bitchy, right? Or or they're yeah. they're or they're aggressive, whereas a man is just oh they're just stating a fact, you know. And and so I've definitely experienced that myself, having kept quiet many a times because my boss would say something in a room and I just wouldn't say anything. So yeah, I've, look, I've yeah. kept quiet a lot often as well. I mean, that was kind of what prompted me to write radical respect. Was like okay, you know what do I have to lose now? (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's one of the benefits of being 56, I guess. Um, well, Kim, you know, that the beginning of your book is really, really powerful. I mean, just, just, you know, it's, 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 it gives women a sense of being seen in so many ways. Like that was, um, I just was so touched by it. And, and, and I, I really applaud you for writing about your, experiences at such at the start of your career because i think so many women who will read that and say oh i need to speak up and i do think the younger generation they have a lot less tolerance for the kind of treatment that i think maybe you and i put our let ourselves um you know stay quiet about yeah but even young women i talk to they're like is there any point you know it's hard it's really hard to speak up and uh, it's harder when you're younger. Uh, and that was kind of part of the reason why I wrote this book now and probably not 20 years ago uh, was that it's safer for me to do it uh, now mm. than it was 20 years ago. So, um, so I hope that, I hope that it encourages people to speak up, speak out, to, or even just to notice for the, their own, yes. like a lot of the stuff I wrote about, I, w- I did not at the time fully understand what was happening because it was too hard to understand when I was going through it. You know, it's, it's easier to understand it and looking back than in the moment. Yes. In some ways so, it makes it harder to go forward because now you have the tools to recognize it and you see it. Yeah. And so now you can't ignore it, but yes, you're, you're transitioning over to the stories. I think it sounds like we're both doing it. Yes. 
So, so you got a story for us, Tyler, you want to talk about? Um, well, you know, I, I want to, I think, juxtapose my past with my future, right? I yes. think looking back, looking back at my career, I think, wow, I've had really some awful situations. I mean, there was one job where I was basically, um, I was on maternity leave and they basically, they fired my assistant, Right. And then I was like, that's weird. What's going on? And then they indicated that they were going to lay me off. Right. Oh, my God. And and of course, as an attorney, I'm like, this is and then and then they had hired a man already, like while I was on, gone on maternity. And, oh and he gosh. was like, he was basically there to replace me. But they were like, oh, no, no, he's not here to replace you. He's just going to support, you, you know, you guys are, will be a team now because I had been on my own doing the job of like three attorneys. And then I was like, something's not right here. So I, you know, reached out to attorneys and employment attorneys and, and mm-hmm. asked them, like, is this kosher? Is this okay? And they're like, no, this is not. Yeah, not so okay. So I fought them. And it was the first time in my career that I fought. And I, I, I now I still, you know, I left, right? And, and it, it was a fight. Um, and by the time everything was concluded, I was already at another job. But while we were in this settlement, you know, they 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 had the the arbitrator come in and just scream. And my attorneys are two women, right? And and I was we we're in the room, and he's like, "You're never gonna work in this town again." Oh my right? god! And I was, I was already at another company by that point. Yeah, right. I was. Ar- I was you were like, already working in the, the that right. Town. I was already working at another company at this point, and I was like, "I'm so confused right now. Why do you feel the need to come in and bully me?" Like yeah. it was. The worst time of my life, Kim, like I had, I was devastated. It was, it was a company I held, I, you know, they were kind of a startup when I, and, and now they're huge. And I was there in the, from the beginning and I kind of questioned like, oh, what was I good, a good attorney? You know, it, it was a job I asked for a review all the time. And yeah. Hollywood companies are notorious for not giving reviews. They don't know how to give reviews. So they're yeah. like, you're doing great. That was the review I got three years in a row. You're doing amazing. <laughs> you can't like we're so grateful to you. And then yeah. when they laid me off, they're like, "Oh, you're you're not doing good work." And I'm like, "But wait, what? Like, my review said fir- yeah. I was doing good work." Yeah. So it was gaslighting to like the the nth degree, right? And mm. so I um, and looking back, you know, and I've had abusive women bosses. You know, my women bosses have actually been tougher than my male bosses. And I don't know what that's about, right? I don't know if it's because they were treated that way and they felt like, oh, I'm going to toughen you up as a female attorney or, you know, I went through it. So you should too as well. Um, and just, I, I think, um, but I'm so grateful to the last 16 years, right? Because had I not gone through all of that, I wouldn't be able to really enjoy and understand how happy I am right now with my own law firm. Now, the irony is not lost on me, right? That I had to go start my own company, just yes. like you did with Juice, right? Like you're like, I'm just gonna go start my own company so I can create the kind of culture and company that I've always dreamed about. And yes. that's and, and so there's that for me too. I mean, I I'm in the process of hiring an assistant and, and a couple of junior attorneys. And so, you know, four months in, this is incredible. My my firm has had explosive growth because I think there just aren't enough attorneys protecting creators. And there's a huge market. I mean, Goldman Sachs says that this the creator economy will be at four hundred ninety billion dollars in about three years. 
Wow. Right? I mean, and the fact that like, I'm like one of just a, there's, there's maybe one other attorney who does what I do. She's at a big law firm, but it's just wild to me, right? That it's such a huge industry. There aren't uh, attorneys dedicated to this space. So going back to, you know, I think having gone through the dark machine that is Hollywood, I'm now able to understand, you know, what it is to work with people that I want to work with. Now I get to choose my clients, you know, and, and I'm yeah. making a meaningful changes in their lives, right? I can tell them, hey, by the way, your YouTube channel is not your business. That's the marketing arm of your business. Yeah. You're actually the business. You're the media company, right? You're the actor, the writer, the producer, the director, the distributor. You have all of this power. And we have all of these many, you know, media companies and, and accidental entrepreneurs, you know, who are going to be, you know, I, 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 I'm willing to bet that in the next 10 years, we're going to have an Academy Award winning director who came, who had their start in YouTube, right? It's just like, so, and, and, and I love, imagine a generation of kids, right? Who create for the beauty of creating, right? They don't have to go take a, you know, a soul sucking corporate job because they were told by society they should do it. They just create and they put out their stories and they don't have to self-numb with alcohol or drugs. They're, they just love what they get to do. And they do. I, so many of my clients love being able to put out videos educating people. A lot of my clients are professionals who, are, who are also have educational channels. And, you know, they're engineers or career coaches or finance people. And these are the people who are sharing their expertise with the world. I mean, how many times have your, like, dishwasher broken? And you're like, I'm going to go YouTube it, right? Like, yeah. like, like yeah. YouTube is the place to get education. And I really am so hopeful for the future, right? That we're about to have this industry that didn't exist 10 years ago, right? That's really going to be a huge industry. And all the companies that are cropping up behind it, right? Like um, you have, you know, all the editors and all the agencies and, you know, and potential investors. I, I've been- And lawyers. Of, you know, and lawyers and, 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 uh, you know, uh, fractional CEO, you know, a lot of my work is kind of like fractional CEO. How do we grow your operations, right? Like how do we grow your business? And that I love the most, right? Like kind of helping them world build, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay, now you have this accidental business. Now let's build some courses. Let's build some products. I just helped a client launch a six figure course that he sold out in three days. Three days, wow. six figures, wow. right? It's like that's the the creators have so much power because people want to buy from people, right? You yeah. look at Mr. Beast, Feastables, Prime Hydration, uh, Emma Chamberlain Coffee, Skims. You know, these are all billion dollar companies built by creators. Kids, it's amazing. Basically. Yeah. I, can I ask a quick question? Um, so you mentioned that you're bringing on clients, of course. You also are going to be hiring some junior attorneys and uh, assistant. Mm -hmm. How do you have a framework where you are choosing who you're going to bring on based on how you would like to be treated and how you'd like to work with someone? Um, do you and also do you have one for internally for the people that day to day you'll be working with? Or do you have two different frameworks? How do you juggle like to make sure that you are having some of the the type of relationships um, that and not recreating, recreating some of the things that you have seen as kind of abusive? 
in, in your own work That's environment? a great question. You know, as you were, you were talking, I realized that when I have hired junior lawyers or assistants in the past, I tend to um, give kind of the working class kids more of a chance, if that makes any sense. Right. Like it, 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 my assistant when I was at, at Skydance was kind of that. Right. He was really hardworking. He was he was an, an, an assistant who an attorney who was uh, at, at ICM and, and was training to be an assistant, uh, an agent. And then an agent threw a, a stapler at his head and like grazed his head. And he's like, OK, I do not want to be an agent. So I took him on, even though he had no attorney experience because he was really hardworking. And I think attitude and like. And I know like just putting your head down, doing hard work is, is not enough, but like having a good attitude about it, not coming from privilege. Now, unfortunately, am I being like reverse prejudice? Like, do, do you know what I mean? When I hear uh, of someone coming from privilege, I do hesitate a little bit. And, and I will tell you why, because in my last job, I caught myself doing that. So in my last job at the private equity firm, I hired somebody from privilege. And I do regret it because he was like, he said no to me so many times. I would ask him to do something and he would say no. Like, first of all, in Hollywood, you don't do that. But I was like, it wasn't overbearing. I mean, I'm such a good boss. Like I would bring him coffee every day. Like I, I, I always asked about him. I like, you know, he wanted to be a writer and a comedian. So I like, I gave him this chance and he would just say no to me. It was like, I was like, can you go into this document, do all fine and just find this one phrase for me as I was running out for a, a lunch because I needed this information for a call I was going to do in the car. And he's like, no, I don't have time right now. And I'm like, wait, what? I just need you to do one simple thing for me. So look, these are two like instances, like, does it mean I should always hire, you know, kids, you know, or, or people, not kids, I'm sorry, young, young, young attorneys who, who don't come from privilege. I don't know. That's like, I mean, Kim, you know what I wanted to say to you was you're very hard on yourself in the book, but it has made me think about, you know, like looking at myself, like, you know, even when I'm doing things that I think is like good, right. Like hiring, hiring people who don't come from privilege, but I, am I then excluding the people but I don't think I am. I look at everybody and then I see like if it's a good, good, good connection or not, if, if they're going to be a good fit, if they want this enough. I think what I will be looking for, Wesley, as I'm hiring is like, do you want to be a part of the creator economy in the creator space? Because here's the difficult. It's not all roses and, 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 and posies like um, creators are um, very um, they're a lot of work. You know, I yeah. have to I have spend a lot of work professionalizing them, explaining to them why they need an attorney. Why do you need contracts in place? Like you would be horrified to know how many of these creators have editors or people they're giving revenue to or partners that they don't have anything in writing. And I'm like, yeah. why are these things not in writing? And they're like, well, why does it need to be? Because they think it's fine, right? Because they're like, it's the ho the honeymoon stage. They, yeah. they haven't been litigation. They haven't seen things fall apart. They haven't, you know, gone through where they have to hire and fire people, but they are now like I have one, one client who are like, yeah, I just fired somebody. God, I wish I had a, a, a contract in place because like, you know, I, I need a non-compete and I'm like, yes, I, I wanted you to have that in place, but now we will, now we will, the next editor she hire will be under contract. So, yeah. So what I'm hearing yeah. is that you, what you want is kind of, it's, it's, what you do for your living is making the 
uh, implicit, explicit. Uh, if this is a partnership, let's put it on in, in writing that this is a partnership. Yeah. If this is an agreement, let's put it in writing. And it's the same when you try to bring in people that there is an exchange that is kind of beneficial for both people. Both people, you'll learn a lot about the business, but I also you'll do some work for me. Um, and you want you don't want someone. Uh, it's great to have personal boundaries. I'm not going to be against that. But for work boundaries of saying something like I'm going to take care of me and me alone makes it so that you're, the person is not looking out for you like you're looking out for them in your work mm-hmm. environment. So if you if you say, hey, I just need you to look something up for a few minutes and they're like, no, I don't have time, then it's more like that's a, that's a very me statement instead of thinking about as a whole. So it so I see like a good balance between the two where your, your work environment where it's explicit, I pay you, you do the work where you need some of that give and take, but also when you're working uh, with your creators, there's give and take, but now we need to make it explicit, which is really just trying to bridging those two worlds. It sounds like a really good like balance. I yes. think also the wonderful thing about the law is that it does make the bloviating a little harder. <laughs> if you put yes. it down in writing, sure. like you, you sure. can't get away with, well, what I thought was and what you thought. It, it, it forces commitments and communication in a way that I think is very healthy. I'm, I'm and, very much, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, you can have your, your last comment, but I would, we're running out of time. So I just want to quickly understand if people do want to get in contact with you, where can they find you? Oh, thank you so much, Wesley. So they can go to my website, which is tylershowlaw.com. Um, Chow is C-H-O-U. And uh, on YouTube or on Instagram, it's I'm, it's Tyler Chow, the creator's attorney. And um, people can reach out to me. I'm, I'm deeply passionate about protecting creators. So I give out a lot of free calls. My husband at the beginning would joke, are you going to start, you know, like charging for some of your time? But I was just so happy and passionate to be doing and making a difference that I didn't in the beginning. Now I am. And I'm really, really excited and passionate about making this, you know, my law firm and my company a good place to work, right? I, I, I almost wanted for all the people who didn't have the bosses or the workplaces that they were hoping for, I want to create that for them. And I care very deeply about people, maybe sometimes too much. Um, and, and so, and, and helping creators create a sustainable business and monetize, right? Not just be burned out by making content every day they've grown now. Like, how do we get, take you to the next level? So I'm very, very optimistic about the future. And I'm so, so grateful that you guys had me on. So thank you, Kim and Wesley. Thank you for your time. And Kim, you want to take us out? Yes. Uh, and I just want to say thank you again, Tyler, for what you're doing. When I was when I was leading the AdSense team at Google, we said we were funding creativity a nickel at a time. So you're helping oh, make that. that. Uh, it didn't exactly work out that way. But I think <laughs> you're helping make that ideal uh, more of a reality than it than it often is. Um, and to all of you all listening, if you want to reach out to us, send us a note at hello at justworktogether.com. We're going to change that soon. But for now, it's hello at justworktogether.com. We'd love to hear your stories, your thoughts, uh, what you have done in your career to, to, to overcome bias, prejudice, bullying, discrimination, harassment, and physical violations. 
Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next next time.